how are you? I'm turning my microphone on. So, but. Y'all good? Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. It's good to see all of you. We hope you had a great Christmas time and good week. I, I want to share a couple things with you. Um, first of all, um, if you'll look in your worship guide, um, students will meet. Only the students will be up here this Wednesday night. Um, we'll Diggy will kick back off next um, on the whether that'd be the 10th. And, um, and so you can see all the classes that are coming up for January 10th. A couple classes for everyone to be involved and then several for the ladies. Um, you see some other needs that we have, but the students will meet. No one else will be meeting this week. Um, I just want to share some good news with you. We, um, as of um, a gift that was given this past week, we're at $97,885.82 for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That means we're only off about $7,000. So as you go out today, remember, we're just a little over $7,000 away from our goal. So let's make sure we do that. And um, I want to remind you of why we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Mary Beth, can we play that video, the Lottie Moon video? And we'll start off with that one. and cock it, you know that you're only one pull of a trigger away. Some people would say that my parents weren't very responsible parents for taking me to Kuwait where the Persian Gulf War broke out. Some people would say that's irresponsible to take your kids with you into your calling where there's so much suffering. But rather than it taking me further from God, it actually helped take me closer to God. Because one of the things I learned in an early age, God actually calls the people of God to move towards the hardest places of this earth. Nobody knew anything about Kuwait. It was just this little dot on this map in the Middle East. But three months later on August 2nd, 1990, Saddam Hussein and Iraqi troops invaded Kuwait and we were living right downtown. There were four sets of Iraqi troops that broke into our apartment. And as a 10 year old, I just began like crying, and I didn't actually know if I was gonna live. I didn't know if we were actually gonna even make it through that day. We knew we had to leave quickly. Uh, I was held downstairs by gunpoint, but when I came back up the steps and we all jumped in a car and drove out of downtown, and there were Iraqi soldiers all around us, and we drove right through the middle of them as if God blinded them. And then we all gather into the American embassy. Within a few days, the embassy got locked down. They eventually turn off the water, the fresh water, and the and electricity to get us out. Heat was 120 degrees, no air conditioning. But the hardest part, I think, came six weeks later when uh, Laurie and uh, Peter and Aaron left the embassy and I turned them over to Iraqi soldiers to take 
to, to the airport. Um, those are, are hard moments, even this minute, 30 years later. Because I want to live out God's call. And part of that living out that call is being connected to God's spirit. And what is God asking you to do? And is he big enough to take care of you? Or do you think you have to do it all yourself? That is the struggle of following God. And then turn to God, God, if my life is taken, are you going to take care of the boys? Are you going to take care of the wife? Can I trust you? What was going on in the background of the story that I didn't know was thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people were praying for me personally. My mom, my brother, and I now were back in Nashville living, and it was coming up for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention puts together a week of prayer leading into this big offering every December. And there were literally millions of Christians all throughout the country that were praying specifically for my dad to be released. And it really wasn't real to me until I got on the plane in Baghdad that I was actually going to leave and survive and be home. It's not about me. It's about the millions of people praying and God doing a miraculous event. I believe that God is looking for people who are willing to move towards the hard places and stay even when it's hard and trust that the Holy Spirit still speaks and confirms His promises in our lives. Every penny we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to people like that. It gets the gospel where no one else hears it. And so I want to encourage you Let's make sure we go out this year and go over our goal. Thank you for the way you've given so far, and let's continue to give. Would you pray with me? Let's pray for our missionaries now, as many of them are still um, at home and uh, are coming through the holidays. You know it's a difficult time. And Would you just lift them up? And Father, we thank you for the message you've given us, the good news that we've received freely. And you've told us to give it and to share it. And God, I thank you even for the video we've just seen for those who give their lives to share the gospel in places where we may not be able to go or cannot go. I just pray, Lord, that we would not only reach our goal, but go over that goal as a church, but also as a convention. Thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, we're glad you're here. Um, today is Jimmy Butler's 87th birthday. Jimmy, happy birthday. Let's stand up and greet each other. Greet one another. We're glad you're here. Let's stand up and greet each other.
All right, it is really good to see you today. You can be seated. I'm sure you're going to turn around and stand right back up in just a second. But thank you for being here. And um, would you pray with me one more time? Uh, it's good to have Rick and Carla Callahan here today. We're glad y'all are here with us. And, but listen, let's, um, let's pray together as we start our service. Father, thank you for this time we get to worship you. I thank you for this past year. And as we look toward our new year, we just want to remember the new beginnings that we have in your spirit. Help us to worship you as you deserve to be worshiped today. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and worship. If you need to sit, sit, whatever you need to do. But let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand together. All right, church. Psalm 150 tells us, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And that's what we want to do this morning is praise the Lord with everything that we are. These songs that we've chosen are modern-day hymns. There are many people that are writing modern-day hymns today. And so let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth this morning.
Father, we thank you for the hope that we have. We thank you for the hope that comes from a risen Savior. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for what it means to us that, that Jesus, you came and took on our flesh. You were united with us in humanity so that we might be united to you in eternity. We thank you and we praise you. We give you glory for the things we've sung about today. We thank you for the scripture we'll read and, and study this morning and, and seeing what you've done with our sin. We thank you that we can come to your table and remember, Jesus, why you came. Why you came to the manger so that you could go to the cross. We thank you. We remember those who are hurting today. We remember those who are battling with different sicknesses. We ask God for your healing. We pray for your comfort. We, we lift up especially the, the Fields family and the loss of Scott. And God, we just pray that you would continue to be with Brenda and Blair and Danielle and, and the grandkids and nephews. God, would you just be with them? I thank you, Father, that we, we have hope. That because your buried body began to breathe, we know that your words, that if we believe in you, we live even though we die can be true. They are true. Thank you for that. And God, as we look at this, I pray today that, that those who come this morning dealing with guilt and shame, those who come this morning burdened by their sin, would see what you do with it and walk out of this room in the freedom of Christ. I thank you, Father. I thank you that you take our sin and you forgive them and you wash them and when you see us you see Christ thank you for that that's our hope Christ in us the hope of glory speak to us now we pray in Jesus name We're going to look at several scriptures today. I, um, I rarely do topical sermons. Um, you got one last week and you get one this morning. And then um, we come back in Colossians um, in, in, in January. So, But um, we've been talking in the book of Colossians about redemption. We've been talking about forgiveness. We've been talking about making peace with God by the blood of his cross and reconciliation. So here on the last day of 2023, I don't know about you, I'm just getting used to writing 2023 on the dates, and now i got to change it to 24. It just flies, doesn't it? It's, it's already at the end of the year and coming into a new year. And so as we come into this last day, thinking about all that we've studied over the last year, as we come, the question before us is simple. How can sinful people, know a holy God? That's a question that, that all of us have to think about and, and ponder on. How can a sinful people know a holy God? I, I never really understood, especially my mother. My, my dad's the same way, but, but my, my mother, 
my mother would beat me with anything she could pick up, okay? Now, she wasn't abusive. I deserved everyone I got. Amen, Dad? I deserved everyone I got. But fly swatters, yard sticks, hot wheel tracks. Anybody been whooped with a hot wheel track? That's the worst other than the switch. And then um, switches were right there along with it. But, but that same woman that would whip me with anything she could pick up. You've heard me say this before. We were at their house in Gadsden, and Hannah did something, and I spanked Hannah. And my mama, the woman who beat me, <laughs> pulled me aside and said, don't you whip my granddaughter in my house. <laughs> Is God like a grandfather? Is God... I never understood that until we had Shepard and Rowan. I might beat them if they beat Shepard and Rowan. Is God like a grandfather? Does he just sweep our sin under the rug? He can't. And he won't because he's holy. And the holiness that God demands is the holiness that his holiness requires. God expects us and demands us to be holy because he is holy. And so how can sinful people know a holy God? You see, there's, there's one thing that stands between God and his creation, and that's sin. We know that we have to confess our sins. We know that we must repent of our sin. To confess sin is to admit and agree with God that what he says about sin is sin. In the world today, there are a lot of people who will not confess sin as sin because they redefine the words. But words mean the same thing now as they've always meant. And sin is sin. And so when we look in the Scripture and the Bible says something is sin, to confess that is to say, God, what I'm doing is wrong. It is sin. It is against you. And then we must repent of that. Literally, it's to change our mind toward it, but it's also figuratively that we turn and walk away from it. We must repent. We must turn from that sin. Now, we may have to turn 10,000 times, but we continually turn until we're walking in holiness. We know that we must confess, and we know that we must repent. But what does God do with that sin when we seek his forgiveness? What does God do with it when we repent? That's going to be the focus of the next few moments. Sometimes it's better to show than to tell. Remember show and tell? Sometimes we need to show it. Sometimes it's more effective to, to, to rely on illustration than description. Most of what I do is descriptive. And, and today I want to try to be illustrative. As we look at what the scripture says, especially when we're distressed and ashamed and sorrowful. When we come and our emotions tend to displace reason, in those moments God comforts us. Not only with a description of, of what he does with our sin, but with vivid illustrations. What... What do we do when we're distressed over what we've done? Have, have, have you ever heard that whisper? You can't be a Christian and do that. 
God doesn't love you. Look at what you've done. That's not from God. It's from the enemy who's the accuser. But what does God do? I hope these illustrations through Scripture will comfort you. I hope that you will listen, but not just listen. I hope you will see all that God does with your sin. And then as we come to the table, as you hold the bread, as you drink the cup, you'll remember what God has done with your sin through the cross and through the resurrection. Several verses. I know if you looked at that outline, you're thinking, wow, we're going to be here a while. But you have to learn a little lesson of me. Long outlines typically mean shorter sermons. Short outlines mean longer sermons, okay? That's almost always the way it works. But let's just look at several verses and make a few points. Here's here's the first. And they'll be on the screen or you can turn. This will be a little Bible drill today. Micah 7, 19. Micah chapter 7, verse 19. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Look at that verse. And there are two things that we learn in this verse. First, God drowns your sin. When you confess it before him, this is a vivid illustration but God drowns your sin. Surely this is a reference back to the Exodus when the rescued people came to the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his armies were coming down upon them and they cried out to God and God split the sea and and Moses led the people and they walked across on dry land and when all the Israelites got through the dry, through the sea, they turned around, Moses let his arms down, his staff down and the sea came over and not a single one of Pharaoh's people crawled back on the shore to torment them again. I want you to hear me. When you confess your sin and repent, not a single sin is left to torment you. God drowns it. He drowns it in the sea. He forgives you. But secondly, that same verse, Micah 7, 19, tells us that God stomps your sin underfoot. God stomps your sin. God doesn't just drown it. But he also stomps it under his feet. Richard Phillips explains it this way. He said, God responds to our sins the way a protective parent destroys a snake in the children's playground. He throws it to the ground. He stomps it. He reduces it to nothing. He grinds it underfoot till it's dead and gone. My dad has a sister named Dot. We were playing cards at the family reunion. I've shared this at Dot's expense many times. My Uncle Kurt, who passed away this year, but my Uncle Kurt walked in the room with a cup in his hand, and his eyes had devilmen all over him, and he walked up to the table, and he just threw a little snake on the table. I found out then my Aunt Dot was not charismatic. She didn't handle snakes. But I also saw her stand up and began to stomp I heard my Uncle Kurt say, don't kill it, but that's the vivid picture of what God does to our sin. He will tread 
our iniquities underfoot. He drowns it. He stomps it. It's gone. Secondly, second verse, third point, Isaiah 38, 17. Isaiah 38. it and he tossed it behind him and said let's not deal with that anymore it's gone it's what God has done to our sin he, he no longer holds it against us let's move to this one I'm sorry it's just like the devil of AV to make that mic go out today God throws your sin away behind his back Isaiah 43 25 Listen to what God says. I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. God blots your sin away. God, to to blot it out is to so utterly destroy it that it is as if it never existed. John Oswald said, in this instance, what he does is to erase from the record every trace of the transgression and sin of his people, not once, but continually and forever, so that he cannot remember it. He blots it out of his book. He blots it out of his mind, out of his memory, out of the ways that he would otherwise treat you. It is gone. Amen? He blots it out. He throws it away. He stomps it. He drowns it. In that same vein, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities. I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. God forgets your sin. He blots it out. He forgets it. How can an omnipotent God forget something? He chooses not to bring it up again. He chooses never to hold it over you again. I want you to remind you that if you've confessed your sin before God, 
If you repented of that sin and you're still feeling a voice of guilt coming to you, it's not God's conviction, it's Satan's accusation. Because when God forgives you, he, he chooses to forget it, so God's not gonna continually bring it up to you. He's put it away. The God who blots out, blots out sin forgets those sins, and he, he forgets them in the sense of never bringing them to mind, never making you face the consequences, never making you face the judgment for them because your sin has been blotted out. So when you stand before holy God in judgment, if you are in Christ, you have hope. Psalm 103, 12, this is one of my favorite psalms. I love the first part of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, what a psalm. But look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. How far is the east from the west? Infinitely far. How far has God removed your sin from you? Every bit as far as the east is from the west. It's interesting. If you look at verse 11, it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. So God says, I love you as high as the heavens are from the earth, and I take your sin and throw them as far as the east is from the west. I will not bring them again to you. Romans 4, 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. God covers your sin. Covers it. There's no greater blessing than this to have your sins covered by another. Paul quotes David in this passage, and it brought comfort to David. It brought comfort to Paul. Surely it should bring comfort to us. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman whom the Lord will not count his sin. You remember what John the Baptist saw when he saw Jesus coming? He said to the two disciples who were with him, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John 1, 29. He takes your sin away. He covers your sin. He takes it away. Through Jesus, God will take away your sin. This, this act of taking away is, is, is like bearing it. It's, it's bearing off something or carrying away something. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, your sins are carried away like an unbearable burden borne away by one who is fit to carry it. Our holy Jesus was fit to carry it. Amen? Amen. Colossians chapter 2. 13 and 14, we come to this in a few weeks. And you were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our, us all our trespasses by counseling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. God cancels the debt of your sin. He cancels it. 
He says you're not guilty. And he doesn't bring it up again. Can I just remind you again? There's no double jeopardy with God. What Jesus has forgiven, you will not have to pay. What Jesus has paid for, what has already been paid for, will not have to be paid for again. God cancels the debt. Sin creates a legal debt, a conviction of the lawbreaker in the courtroom of the lawgiver. God cancels that debt. He nails it to the cross on your behalf. He issues a verdict on your behalf. When you repent of your sin and you trust in Christ, he says, you are not guilty. Amen? We ought to be shouting, church, this is what God does with our sin. The only thing that separates us from God, sin. Isaiah 118, you know this verse. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be washed as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. God washes your sin. He washes your sin. Your sin is, is like a blood stain on a dress. Imagine for a moment you, you're about to get married and, and the bride's about to come and there's, there's a stain, a blood stain on the dress. God's, God sees our sin. And he washes it. He cleanses it. They stand out. They, the, the sins mar. They mark. They, they ruin. And he washes it. It's no longer scarlet. It's no longer crimson. It's like snow. It's like pure wool. He washes it. He washes it. Now we all know this verse. First John 1, 9. If you confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God does all of this. And that's all a way to describe this. God forgives your sin. Your sin creates disunity between you and, and your creator, between you and, and your fellow creation. It, it creates disunity, but, but God for graciously Forgives that sin. So let's look back through it. What does God do with your sin? He drowns it in the sea. He treads it underfoot. He throws it behind his back. He blots it out. He forgets it. He removes it. He covers it. He takes it away. He cancels it. He washes it. And he forgives it. And God does all of this in the present because of what was happening in the past. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because he paid the price for us. God laid your sins on Jesus as he suffered on the cross. So when Jesus died, he died in your place. He died for your sins. And when he rose, he rose in your place. And he rose for your forgiveness and for your glorification so that you can be in him forever. To really understand this, to see how Jesus had the sins laid on him, you, you have to go back, all the way back in the Old Testament to Leviticus 16. I just want to describe it to you, but I would encourage you to go back today and read Leviticus 16. 
Leviticus 16 describes the day of atonement. The priest would select two goats. The goat that was selected by Lot that would, would be sacrificed and, and the other goat that would become what is commonly known as the scapegoat. They would take the scapegoat and the priest would lay his hands upon the scapegoat and he would confess the sins of the people over that goat. And then they would drive that goat out into the wilderness never to come again. But they sacrificed the other goat and would sprinkle that blood on the altar of the holy place. The goat would never return. The atonement was made. This, this unusual act, this scapegoat and this, this sacrifice of the other goat finds its fulfillment in Jesus. God the Father lays his hands on Jesus, the Son. God the Father who laid his hands on Jesus laid our sin on Jesus and drove him outside the city. But Jesus is also the sacrificial goat in that he becomes the one who dies on the cross and our sin was laid on Jesus so that he could deal with our sin on our behalf. And praise God he did. What does God do with our sin? Everything necessary to reconcile us to himself. Everything necessary to comfort us today and every day. That's what God does with your sin. Amen. I wonder if you would bow your heads for a moment. I wonder if you would ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's unconfessed sin in your life. If you've never trusted in Christ today, none of those things have been done or applied to you. Let me say it that way. It was done for you on the cross. It just hasn't been applied through faith. And you're still in your sin and not in Christ. And, and so today may the day that you would confess your sin before God, admit that it's sin, turn from that sin and ask him to forgive you. Confess him as Lord and not yourself. If you've never done that today, you can do that right now. Sitting where you sit. If the Spirit is working in your heart, you can ask him to forgive you and to come into your life and trust him as your Lord because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And follow him. His Spirit will come inside of you, enable you to live the life that you're supposed to live. Everything changes when you do that. Maybe today you're saved. But for some reason, you're, you're still dealing with the guilt. You're still dealing with the shame. You need to listen to what God's done with your sin. Now, if you're still living an act of sin, your fellowship is broken. Your relationship with God is the same. He's still your father. If you're saved, God's your father. You're a son. You're his daughter. But your relationship may be off. Your fellowship may be off, not your relationship. Maybe you need to confess some sin today. Ask him to forgive you of that sin. Ask him to show you if there's sin in your life.
confess that sin and trust in it. Trust in what Christ has done. Some of you are living under more guilt than anyone knows. You keep coming back. It keeps you up at night. You, you dream about it. You think about it all day, day after day of things you've done. And you wonder, can God forgive me of that? Hear me. Yes. Yes. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The one thing he will not forgive is you dying without trusting in Christ. If you die without trusting in Christ, you will never know his forgiveness. What is God calling you to do today? Would you ask him, would you thank him? Would you praise him for what he's done for you? Give him glory. In just a moment, our deacons are going to come forward, not right now, but just a moment. Kim's going to come and She's going to go ahead and start coming up and start playing softly. And I just want you to spend some more moments praying to God. As you look forward to a new year, how were you this year? How was your walk with God this year? Is it, did you grow in your relationship? Did you grow in the faith? Was it a difficult year? Was it a good year? Have you thanked God for what he's done in your life this past year? Have you, have you trusted in him and his providence? Maybe, maybe you would use a few moments just to ask God to help you by his spirit to, to overcome some sin. Maybe there's some habits in your life that have been there for a long time. You might need to get some accountability. And ladies, get a lady, and men, get a man, a man and, and, and find some accountability in helping overcome your sin. I'm not big on resolutions or goals, but I, I think it's always good to make them as we approach a new year. What are some things you'll do to walk in holiness? Will you be in His Word this year? Will you pray? Will you make sure that doing what we did today is a priority in your life? Hey, maybe, maybe some of you today will, will realize that you could give up a worship service this next year to help in the children's ministry. You can give up your Sunday school class and come and pour out into our children. Chris needs some help. He needs some help in our classes and and I just want to encourage you. That's the most important thing we can do as a church is train up our next generation. A special needs class that we want to start. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do next year. A discipleship group. A Bible study. Something to help you grow in your walk with God. What is it God's calling you to do? Our deacons are going to come forward. If you would just keep your heads bowed for a moment. Our deacons are going to go ahead and come forward. I want you to know that this is an open communion. And what I mean by that is you have to be born again. You may not be a member of our church, 
But if you've been born again, you're welcome to come to this table with us. Our deacons are going to serve you. You'll hold the bread and then you'll hold the juice and we'll eat and drink that together. But use it as you hold that bread. Remember what Christ did for you to be forgiven. As you hold that cup, remember the blood that was shed for you to be forgiven. And use those moments to worship Him. Spend some time as we come into this new year, remembering what He's done, receiving His forgiveness, and walking in His Spirit. Father, as we come to this time, I pray that you would bless us. Thank you for this moment, for this time of remembrance. Thank you for what you've done so that we can do this. In Jesus' name.